This is the Incubator and the Neonatology Review Podcast. We are your study buddies for neonatology topics. I'm Dr. Ben Korsha. And I'm Dr. Daphne Yasova Barbo. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It's Wednesday. We are doing questions, um, genetics and dermatology. Daphna, how's it going? It's good. This time I ask you first. Let's go. <laughs> okay. um, this is question 18. A term infant presents with a soft systolic murmur at 48 hours of age. An echocardiogram reveals an intracardiac mask most consistent with a rhabdomyoma. The infant's physical examination reveals multiple hypopigmented macules on the buttock region. Aha. Uh-huh. What is the likely genetic pattern for this infant's disorder? Darn it. <laughs> it's an inheritance question. Okay. Yeah. A, autosomal <laughs> dominant. B, autosomal recessive. C, mitochondrial disorder. D, sporadic occurrence. Or E, unknown. Okay. So this is where our podcast is so good. I read the question. I remember Daphna's analogy of the garden and the tubers and the leaves. And I'm like, there you go. Rhabdomyomas. That's tuberosclerosis. Um, Now, I'm going to tell you how I answered this question. I remember that most of these neurocutaneous disorders are dominant. Mm -hmm. Um, I I may not be right about that. But if I remember correctly, they're – I mean, that's how – like, if you ask me one of these neurocutaneous disorders, I'm going to say dominant. So choice A, autosomal dominant. Yeah, so um, tuberous sclerosis is autosomal dominant, um, and 50% of um, babies, they have these hypopigmented ash leaf macules. So the, the, the tubers are under the ash leaves, is how we're remembering it, visible at birth or soon after. And the macules vary in number. They're most often found on the trunk and the buttocks and are best visualized by Wood's lamp. Other findings in tuberous sclerosis include central nervous system tumors, eye um, involvement, seizures, mental deficiency, enamel pits and teeth. That comes up a lot, and I tend to forget that. And cardiac rhabdomyomas. Um, it, like I said, was autosomal dominant, and it involves chromosomes 9 and 16. And they do sometimes ask the chromosomes. So I think for some of these major congenital disorders um, or syndromes, they, they should start committing them to memory. Um, the one that I think people get confused with the most is neurofibromato- neurofibromatosis um, because it also has these macules. Um, and uh, while the macules in tuberous sclerosis are hypopigmented, the macules in neurofibromatosis are hyperpigmented. Um, they're cafe lay spots. Cafe, they look like coffee. Um, and neurofibromatosis is also autosomal dominant, like you said. That's uh, found on chromosome 17. The cafe LA spots rarely present at birth, but they can, and then they start to develop rapidly. So 80% of babies have them by one year. They get freckling in the axilla later in childhood. They have macrocephaly, aqueductal stenosis, and the associated tumors there are neurofibromas, schwannomas, and pheochromocytomas. They can also have seizures, short stature, and mental deficiency. Okay. I'm next, Daphna, correct? Mm Mm-hmm. I was surprised you picked this question. We have a true or false. (laughs) What the heck? Uh, All right, Daphna, true or false? Skeletal dysplasias result from discrete insults during organogenesis and 
dysostosis results from abnormalities during early bone, bone formation. True or false? <laughs> I didn't know the answer. I can't. I can't. I really have a I struggle with embryology. <laughs> so, but I didn't know. I had no clue. You, so you tell us. <laughs> so the answer is false. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what is the difference between skeletal dysplasias and dysostosis? So skeletal dysplasias are resulting from the abnormal organization of cells during early patterning events of skeletal development. So like how basically you build up your bones to become your future bone. That's if there's an issue in that process, you have skeletal dysplasia. Um, primary skeletal dysplasias result from mutated genes that are expressed in the chondroosseous tissue. And then you can have secondary skeletal dysplasia resulting from abnormalities of extraosseous factors with secondary effect on the skeletal system. Uh, so that means the bones are forming okay, but something else around the bone is either pressing, moving it around, mm -hmm. and it's now leading to a misshaped bone. Dysostoses are a malformation of bone as a result of an insult during organogenesis. So, um, yeah. so it's, it was um, yeah, actually the way the sentence was phrased was the opposite. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm going to have to remember that one. <laughs> It, it feels like a very esoteric type of I know. question, but, <laughs> but, yeah, why but you not? know, it, it could be one of the answer choices, I feel like. Question 21. Which of the following is not a part of mature messenger RNA? A, exon, B, intron, C, the polyadenylation sequence, or, the, or D, the promoter? Um, I mean, aren't we all experts on mRNA by the Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... I majored in biology. I have no excuse here. Choice B, intron, that usually gets uh, taken out and uh, discarded. So yeah, choice B is whatever is not part of mature <laughs> messenger RNA. Yeah, I think um, terminology matters. And so it makes sense to me that it should have been the exon. But the answer is intron. <laughs> the intron is not <laughs> a part of mature messenger RNA. So introns are the DNA sequence of a gene located between two exons that is transcribed into um, messenger RNA or mRNA, but it is then spliced out during the formation of mature it's an intruder. MRNA. It's an intruder. Okay, I can remember that. <laughs> Good. I like that one. Okay. Fair, I'm, now I got it, see? Um, I've answered this question at least five times in my life, and I still get it wrong. But now I will not. It, those introns are intruding into the mRNA, and I got to get out of there. Okay. Exons are the DNA sequence that is transcribed into mRNA and is retained after the primary mRNA is spliced and is thus the ultimate gene product. The polyadenylation sequence, or the poly-A tail, is comprised of 100 to 200 adenine nucleotides that are located at the three prime end of the primary mRNA, and it's important for mRNA uh, stabilization. And then the promoter is a DNA sequence located at the five prime end of a specific gene and is the site where RNA polymerase binds so that transcription of DNA into mRNA can occur. Okay. We got it? Yeah. Okay, okay. you're next. Mm -hmm. Question 22. You are undertaking an experiment to detect a possible point mutation in a gene of a patient. You digest the DNA with restriction enzymes and then separate the fragments by size using electrophoresis. 
You then expose the DNA fragments to a labeled DNA probe to identify the fragment that is homologous to the probe. Which of the following techniques is consistent with this approach? With this approach, choice A: dot blot. Choice B: northern analysis. Choice C: southern analysis. Choice D: western analysis. Okay, I have a mnemonic for you. I do have a mnemonic too. Let's What's, see. What... It's probably the same one. Okay, let's see. I don't think <laughs> I, so. My, I didn't my, make it up. I didn't make it up. I found it in real life. So, um, it's snowdrop. Oh no, mine's are much more. Mine, mine are the ones of like. A 17-year-old dude who doesn't know, like, raindrops? Come on. No. Okay. Snow, S-N, little O-W, and and drop, uh, D-R, little O-P. So they match up. The S and the D is the southern blot, um, uses DNA. Um, The N, the northern blot, uses D-R, R-N-A. Little O's go out. And the W, Western analysis, um, is for protein. Um, okay. Can I tell you mine? Yeah. All right. So northern, north, mm-hmm. has an R. That's RNA. Hmm. Southern is like San Diego, SD, SD cards. S and D go together. That's SD. That's southern is DNA. And then but western. southern also has an R. No. We're looking nor, at north, oh, north, nor, south, nor, north, north, south, okay. or west. And then west, I think of western. I think of guns. I think of pow, pow, you know, when they think. So P is protein, and that's it. <laughs> All right, people. We gave you two. One of two. those has to work for you. All right. So if your IQ you is go. above 75, you can pick Daphnas. If it's below, use yeah, mine. Yeah, right. Oh. <laughs> One of those has to work. Um, okay. But for uh, snowdrop, you got to write it down so you don't get confused. Okay. Okay, so the uh, so the cho- the answer is southern analysis. The steps outlined in the vignette describe a southern blot, and let's see, we talked about all of them. Um, dot blot, that's the other choice that was mentioned, does not require enzyme digest- digestion or separation by electrophoresis, so that's why it was not really the right answer choice. Um, all right, um, Daphna, you're up. Okay, so. Um, I have question 23 for you. You are caring for an infant who has dysmorphic features consistent with trisomy 18. Which of the following genetic techniques is best to confirm this, uh, this diagnosis? A, fluorescent in situ hybridization or fish. B, a linkage study. C, mass spectrometry. Or D, the microarray. <sighs> As I said before, I'm a biology major and I got mm. this question wrong. I went with microarray because I remember microarray yeah. can can pick so up the number I. of copies. And I was like, number of copies, trisomy, that, boom, that should be it. And uh, yeah. Yeah. The answer, so I got it wrong also. The answer is A, fish. And I'll tell you why. But first, let's just go over some of the features of trisomy 18 since it's in the sure. question. Um in, uh, it is characterized by having three copies of chromosome 18. Um, the signs and symptoms include um, pretty significant intellectual disability, frequently low birth weight. Um, they can have um, kind of an abnormal shape of the head, small jaw and mouth. Um, one of the hallmarks is this clenched fists with overlapping fingers, congenital heart defects, um, and they can have other defects um, in the organs as well. Um, one thing I'm going to include is that, uh, they have an increased frequency of hepatoblastomas. 
Um, okay. Anything else you wanted to add to that? <laughs> I think that's pretty good. Okay. So the answer is fish. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about that. It's used to identify the presence or absence of a specific genetic sequence in a cell. So it's it's easy to use when we know what we're looking for. It involves the synthesis of a single-stranded DNA probe that is complementary to the sequence of interest so that they will fit like puzzle pieces. This probe is then tagged with a fluorescent marker, and then the cultures, cultured cells are exposed to the fluorescent probe, which then hybrid, hy, sorry, hybridizes to its complementary sequence. There's also a type of fish known as spectral karyotyping, which allows for the simultaneous visualizations of all chromosome pairs. And this is really helpful for the diagnosis, obviously, of trisomies. Um, we also have fish available for a lot of uh, other um, specific uh, syndromes like Prader-Willi, Angelman, Cretuchat, DeGeorge, um, and lots of other genetic diseases. Um, I actually didn't know much about linkage studies. So in linkage studies, two genetic loci that are located near each other on the same chromosome are used to determine if an individual has inherited a chromosome containing the disease gene. So many family members must be tested to establish that linkage. In mass spectrometry, variations in DNA sequences are found through the detection of very small differences in the mass of PCR products. It's not used for the detection of trisomies. Um, and the microarray involves the analysis of molecular fragments of DNA to determine if there's a genomic gain or loss has occurred. So it makes sense that you might think that the trisomies should be picked up with microarray. Um, it also can pick up if the gene is over or underexpressed and to identify mutations or polymorphisms in a gene. Microarray analysis will not detect certain chromosome rearrangements, for example, balanced translocations, both reciprocal and Robertsonian, and, and many inversions, because even though there's been an exchange of DNA, there's no net gain or loss of DNA detectable by microarrays. So I thought that was um, pretty important. Um, and so in general, you could get more data for the trisomies from a karyotype than from a, a microarray at much less cost. And then again, if there's a suspicion for a particular um, disorder, um, we would use, uh, for the specific trisomies, we would use fish. Um, and actually for the trisomies, it's, it's very um, sensitive and specific. Your turn. Okay. Question 25, Daphna. Which of the following congenital anomalies are most commonly associated with trisomy 13? Choice A. Aortic coarctation, short sternum cutis aplasia. That's choice A. Choice B, VSD, cleft lip and palate, anal atresia. That's choice B. Choice C, VSD, cleft lip, palate, narrow hyperconvex fingernails. That's choice C. Choice D, VSD, duodenal atresia and hypotonia. Choice E, VSD, small mouth, overlapping second over third and or fifth finger over fourth. Ugh. I don't know if you remember any of the things I just said. <laughs> this was a hard question. It's going to be even harder for me, I think, to read out. So let's look at A. So right away, I was looking for cutis aplasia because I know that that is associated. It's one of the hallmarks, you know, that we think mm -hmm. of trisomy 13. So and when I see cutis aplasia, I think trisomy 13. Mm -hmm. But aortic coarctation is not, is not one of the 
congenital heart disease is associated with it. And short sternum, I don't know, maybe. Okay, B, VSD. um, VSDs are very much associated with it. So are cleft lip and palate, but not anal atresia. Um, C, VSD, cleft lip and palate, narrow hyperconvex fingernails. I don't know, maybe. But definitely VSD and cleft lip and palate. D, VSD, duodenal atresia, and hypotonia. Yes, VSD and hypotonia, but not duodenal atresia. And then E, VSD, small mouth, overlapping of second finger over third and fourth. Second over third or fifth over fourth? (laughs) Fifth over fourth. Uh, Those overlapping digits are one of the hallmarks of of trisomy 18. So So I guess C. C. Yeah, I mean, this, these questions, the problem is that so many things go wrong in the development of a baby with trisomy 13 that you're like, yeah, I it guess, could be. I mean, yeah. is, could that be on the list of all the things? Because when you pull up like on the rarediseases.org mm-hmm. page, like so many symptoms, mm-hmm. it's like, I don't remember the 600 things that are found in the, anyway. So you're right. The answer choice was VSD, clefted palate, narrow hyperconvex fingernails. So trisomy 13, known as Pateau syndrome, um, has an incidence of one in five to 10,000 live births. 95% of trisomy 13 conceptions result in spontaneous abortion and greater than 90% of these infants who are delivered usually unfortunately have a lifespan that is shorter than a year. Clinical features found in greater than 50% of the infant include the following. So we have cardiac defect and more specifically midline cardiac defect, commonly VSDs. Cutisoplasia, as you mentioned, Polydactyly is another one. Um, they could have transverse palmar crease, mm-hmm. which obviously we know as a hallmark of trisomy 21, but they do have narrow hyperconvex fingernails. They can have cleft lip which and or palate. I had to look up because I wasn't sure what a narrow hyperconvex fingernail would be. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, I remember that, uh, I, I'm not going to say exactly, but I was working with a physician who said that trisomy 13 babies, you should look at their hand and they have very nice fingernails. Like, mm. like, And I think she was talking from an aesthetic standpoint. Mm-hmm. They, they have <laughs> pretty I, fingernails? Yes. Yeah. And I was like, sure, if we can, if we can call it that. But um, yeah, I think that's what narrow hyperconvex means. <laughs> um, eyes, colobomas, retinal dysplasia is another feature, sloping forehead, umbilical or inguinal hernia, Cryptoorchidism, microcephaly, holoprosencephaly, seizures, severe mental retardation, deafness, apnea, persistence of fetal hemoglobin. Um, slanting of the palpebral fissures in duodenal atresia is usually found in trisomy 21. The small mouth overlapping second over fourth and or fifth over fourth and coarctation of the aorta, short sternum, are usually trisomy 18 uh, findings, Edwards syndrome. So yeah. My only tip is for people who can't remember, like, the actual names, you know, the... Oh, you, I know what the, you're Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember 18 um, is E uh, for when you can uh, participate in an election. So I remember Edwards is 18. And then P... That's funny. That's us. You're too funny. <laughs> and then 18, P... 18 starts with an E, no? Well, it does start with an E. That's true. <laughs> I don't know. That's what I remember. All right. There you go. E18. And um, P. Patau, I mean, 13. 
is the time where, I don't know, many people are hitting puberty. So that's why I remember P. Patel is 13. That works. E. Edwards, 18. (laughs) Use it or not, I don't know. Um, Okay, Daphne, is that all we have time for today? That's it. All right, see you tomorrow, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Incubator and Neonatology Review Podcast. If you like our show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We would love to hear from you, so please feel free to reach out to Daphna and I via email by sending your messages to nicupodcast at gmail.com. You can also message the show on Twitter at NICUPodcast. Thanks again for listening and see you next time. This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care practitioner. Thank you.